2: And now,
3: it's time for
4: Inside Conan, Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast.
3: Oh, I do feel welcomed. Thank you. You, you
4: do? <laughs>
3: oh, oh, that wasn't for me. No, it wasn't. That was for them. But
4: welcome to you.
3: Oh, thanks.
4: Jesse Gaskell.
3: Thank you, Mike Sweeney. Former head writer. Uh,
4: yes. Going back away. Of Conan. Uh, for Conan and a former writer slash yeah. fantastic writer for Conan. Archivist. Archivist. Is that a word? Archivist? How do you Archivist? say it? I, just, I don't I'd, know. I don't know either. Could be a fan question. That's what
3: we're doing now on this show. Yeah. We're going back through Conan's storied career in late night television. Yes. We're telling every excruciating detail.
4: We are really rolling out the dough. <laughs> <laughs> Beating it to a thin pulp.
3: Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and we're going to make... This
3: dough is not fighting back.
4: One very a molecule-thick crust of pizza. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, I'm excited about tonight's show because we're really dealing with a very specific period of the Conan show, his last year on TBS.
3: Yeah, during the pandemic.
4: Yes, everything was, of course, topsy-turvy from uh, the lockdown. And then uh, when Conan returned to the air, it was at a theater here in LA. And we're going to talk to the man... Behind that theater. He's kind of a legend in LA.
3: Yeah, he's got a lot of showbiz stories, but he's been a big, important part of the comedy community.
4: Very big. And music as well. And music. Which I knew less about. I knew, I was more aware of, oh, all the comedy stuff. And then you're just like, whoa, you hear about all the music, the big music acts he worked with. Oh yeah,
3: he was friends with Elliot Smith. Okay, cool.
4: Yeah, kind of cool. That's
3: important. But what about
4: Bell and Sebastian? (laughs) I like to throw them out. He at,
3: probably knows them too. We he didn't probably
4: ask. does and was too modest to mention them. So you have some news. I do. Very exciting.
3: Yeah. Well, and I feel a little silly because I think it was maybe two weeks ago that I revealed that I was looking for work.
4: Yeah. It, it was
3: within the last few weeks.
4: So what's where's the silly part?
3: Well, I found work. <laughs> yes. You got a new job. But... I, wanted, I want to make it clear that I was looking for longer than that period of time. It wasn't like I said, oh, I think I'll try to get a job. And then two weeks later, I had a job. Yeah. It doesn't work like that.
4: I <laughs> Man, I wish it did. That would be fantastic.
3: That was the point. I The point I was at when I mentioned it was I was getting a little bit desperate and I felt like right. I needed to put it out into the universe. Right. And the universe spoke back.
4: Well, let's test it right now. Hey, I'd love a job. <laughs> I'm the control case like a All month right, from listeners. now to be like, no, still no work for Mike. <laughs> well, so yeah, it's an exciting new job and you got the job. It's like bang, bang, right? You got the offer on a Thursday and boom, yes. you're in the writer's room on Monday.
3: So that's the crazy thing that happens in this industry a lot mm. is you find out, well, I got a job offer right? Yeah, on Thursday and then my uh, my manager counter offered (gasps) and you know, it was like, I still haven't even officially signed the contract, but the room started on Monday. So it's all just a real whirlwind.
4: That is a whirlwind. Yeah. That's amazing.
3: And I have to go in person to a room. I have to put on. Oh, that's exciting. Pants and shoes and (laughs) socks and drive in my car.
4: (laughs) But still bring a dog with you. Like I work at a bank or something. Right. (laughs) How many people are in the room?
3: Um, there's about ten people. Oh wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and right now we're just uh, so oh, so the job is writing for a uh, scripted comedy for uh-huh. Fox. Uh huh. It's called Welcome to Flatch.
4: Oh, it's it's that was on that premiered last season, right? So this is yeah. the second. season. So they've
3: season. done one season, and this is the second season wow. that's going to come out in the fall. Um, but I think it's it's a fast process, like they're going to start filming in August. Wow. That is and
4: really fast. So
3: we have from now until August to break the whole season and then break it out into episodes and then the episodes start filming.
4: Wow. And so just to explain breaking, when you say break the season, is that the first step of deciding what the entire story and journey of the season will be and then div- t- trying to divide it up into the episodes?
3: Yes. And it's, I mean, it goes from really broad to specific. So okay, right now we're still in the super broad space of just trying to figure out where the characters' arcs are going to start and end up this season.
4: That always seems, I'm really curious to hear about it because I always wonder about that. Like when you think about it, anything could happen, I, I assume on this pretty much, on the show, and somewhat, I wonder if it's just a thing where by consensus, all 10 of you are like, oh, yes, this is the arc of the season. This is what should happen. Or does the person in charge have to take all these pitches and just go, all right, uh, we're going to go this way? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder how.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit more the second thing. So there's right. a, a showrunner, and right. it's ultimately up to her. Right. Uh, but I think you just talk things over and you kind of look at things from every possible angle and you Right. if you if there's a story thread that you like you kind of play it out to its conclusion or how do the other right. how does this affect everybody else in the show and how does this affect the future of the show and make sure that it gives you a lot of options.
4: Right, right. So and if there's a third season, yeah, because you don't want to Right. you don't want to go down almost like, you know, this alleyway that, oh, wait, where do we go from here? You know, you've got to. You do have to keep. Right. Like you're saying. As keep the momentum.
3: Right. On the other hand, you also don't want to get nothing to ever happen to anybody. It's not that kind of show where right. people completely start and end every episode in the same place. So right. you want there to be a little bit of movement. Right. For
4: characters. They're not all bottle episodes.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yes. but I have to be honest. The craziest yeah. thing so far yeah. about. This job is that we don't look at our phones all day. What I know.
4: <laughs> wait. wait you... It
3: sounds so silly to say, but it's really. I mean, it's it's kind of been awesome. I feel like I'm in a at a retreat for <laughs> digital addiction or something.
4: <laughs> what do you leave the phone out literally outside the room, or it's no, just? No, I mean
3: we don't like have to lock them up. Um, right.
4: uh, no, I'm serious. But
3: Everyone has them in their bags under the table and you just don't take it out until lunchtime and then at the end of the day. And those are the two times you kind of can look at your phone.
4: So they just laid the law down. They said, hey, we don't have phones here. Or Honestly,
3: no one even said it. I think it just the showrunner set the example and everybody else followed suit and no one's been the first to break it. (laughs) <laughs> I never had
4: my cell phone out and you, all you assholes had your fucking <laughs> phones out the whole, oh my God. I used I to know, get so. It was
3: constant. Oh, was that upsetting as head
4: no, writer? No, no, it was great. <laughs> when you're done reading your tweets, uh, can we?
3: Yeah, no, people would just be sitting there and then someone would say like, oh my God. And then we'd have to address whatever it was that right. they were talking about.
4: Yeah. I mean, it, everything got done. So it wasn't that disruptive, really.
3: Well, let's get into our show.
4: Yes, because it's almost midnight.
3: (laughs) It's midnight somewhere.
4: It always is.
3: We already teed it up a little bit.
4: I did. I I jumped the gun. I teased it.
3: You teased it because you knew that people wouldn't stick around for our bullshit otherwise.
4: No, no way.
3: But yeah, we're talking to the man behind Largo, Mark Flanagan or Flanny.
4: Popularly known as Flanny.
3: Flanny, as his friends call him.
4: And he started...
3: I hope we're his friends.
4: He really made Largo uh, into an institution, and first with musicians, uh, so many famous names, as you'll hear, and then he decided to add comics to the mix, and then it really... Really took off. Really took off. A few years ago, well, several years ago, well, okay, 2008, I think, they moved to Largo at the Cornette Theater.
3: Right, because initially it was at a different space, a different
4: space, and it really is a beloved uh, music and comedy institution.
3: And now Conan is a part of that institution. It's a very cool. It's just like all the cool, all the all the cool people played there.
4: Just an amazing history of of music and comedy at Largo. And um, as you were saying, Conan became a big part of Largo uh, during the pandemic.
3: Yes. Largo was the reason Conan was able to film in a studio-type mm-hmm. setting, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it really helped Conan from going insane during that time.
4: Yes. He needed to do a show, and he needed to not be doing it in the one room in his house.
3: <laughs> so we all have Flanny to thank for that.
4: <laughs> yes. And that that's where the TBS show ended up wrapping. I mean, no one foresaw things going that way, but... Um, last June, the TBS show wrapped from Largo. Mm-hmm. And the exciting thing was the very last two weeks, LA opened up a little bit by coincidence as so that Conan was able to bring in live audiences for those last two weeks of shows, which... Yeah, which was really special. It made everything special.
3: We were just losing our minds. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> I felt like I was at an orgy. <laughs> like, That's right. Just uh, Just tongues out, hands yeah. groping. Yeah, just... <laughs>
4: People outside uh, and gathered in a theater again. It, it seemed, yeah. it did seem uh, blatantly illegal.
3: <laughs> and very sexy. So here he is, Mark Flanagan. Flanny. Flanny, can you tell us how you first got involved with Largo?
0: friend of mine was opening, his wife was part of kind of like a conglomerate of a small conglomerate of Irish people that were going to open a bar and they didn't know where they were going to open and then he said to me, you know, they're taking over this place called Café Largo that was already a venue and it was run by a French guy. And they were like, you know, you, you know a bit about music. And I was like, yeah, I, I, you know.
3: I've listened to yeah. it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and it just is one of those things that it just I stumbled right into it, you know. Wow. But that was 1992. So it's 30 years ago. And I, I kind of booked the place for a year and it was wildly successful right away like i mean it was just and after a year the guy that ran the place who was the kind of the you know he was the owner of it and i was partial owner he decided that overnight he was going to turn it into a sports bar Oh, okay. uh-huh. and that night we had Dr. John with Branford Marsalis. Like <gasps> it was an incredible, oh my God! You know, and I was like, uh-huh. again, I, I, okay, I'm out. So, so he was going to pay me off and through a long process, which actually took three years and I was booking Largo at other places. I was booking at the Troubadour and this, uh, different places in town, uh-huh. knowing that I love doing that, love music, love comedy. I continued working with like Amy Mann and John Bryan and, right. and the Eels right. and this the different band It kept me very busy. Right. And then suddenly I got a call from a lawyer saying the judge wants to give you the old venue back because the guy can't pay you any money and he's run it into the ground. And I was like Jesus. And I went in and it was just it was a mess. Just and so I had everywhere. yeah, and I had to come up with money to try and you know reboot it. And I thought, well, I'll do it for a few years and then unload it because it was small and mm-hmm. I really didn't want to run a restaurant or a bar and that's what that was. Mm-hmm. Then I was sole owner in 1997 and been sole owner ever since. But but it's one of these things and I'm sure you guys are the same. You get into something and you're like, oh, I'll see how this goes. Right. And here we are, you know. And
3: then 30 years go by. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and really...
0: I can't say it feels fast, but I mean, even the Conan year, it just feels like that was years ago already, you know? Yes. But we've all been through so much. Right.
4: We were just getting up to you introducing comics because comedians then became such an integral part, I think, of the Largo Yes. Reputation yeah. and story. Yeah. The second you started bringing comics in, was that just instantly... So the craziest like thing a is... A great mix. Yeah,
0: comics were coming. Now It's almost like right now at, at Largo when somebody, is, you know, my, some of my staff will say, oh my God, such and such is here. And I'm like, I have no idea. From a TV show, I have no idea who that right. is. Well, back then right. it was like, oh my God, Mitch Hedberg's here. And I'm like, who? Yeah. So then I went. Then I went. This is who I need here. This is so. Yeah. So I decided to start a Monday night comedy only night. You know, and Ah. then I had to figure out. Well, who? I don't know these people. So I need somebody. So this guy introduced me to another guy who was promoting shows around town, and he was doing Pedro's Mm. Bar and Grill in I think it was Los Feliz, and I went over one night, and the show was hosted by Karen Kilgariff, and it was John Stewart, Laura Keitlinger, Janine Mm -hmm. Garofalo. And I think Cross, I mean, it was like, that was the show. Wow. It was called La Parade, you know, and I was like, I even dropped Cafe from Largo because I thought it was pretentious. So I didn't need La Parade. Right. So I said, hey man, <laughs> would you just call it the comedy show or just call it comedy? Uh, so the comedy so show, anyway, we yeah. started off and, and Cross and Odenkirk were I think the first hosts. Oh, you wow. Know? wow. And it was just every Monday night, it was the greatest. If you weren't from LA, it was definitely New Yorkers were were like, okay, this is the spot because there was, yeah. it wasn't a comedy club, but there was people. And I also wouldn't let Cell phones, photographs, no talking during the show. So it was kind of
4: you were you were ahead of the yeah. your time yeah. bar, barring cell phones. I love that. And still, you know, yeah, um, yeah. But but so also a lot of people would come out for there was a you know like pilot season
0: or coming out to do mm-hmm. you know whatever show it was on TV they would come out and, and do stuff and they'd be in town for a while. Right. And so they would j- jump up and at that point, which is kind of like the late nineties, I think the Comedy Store and the Improv and some of those places were less traveled for the people that we love. Yes. You know, they were looking for the alternative to the alternative, you know.
4: Well, you know, the imp- like places like the improv, there'd be a lot of great comics on the stage. Yeah. But there were also, I'd see people there where it's like, oh, you're an actor, but you went into comedy because you heard it can help you get on a TV show. Like right. you could literally tell. Yeah.
3: You want to be the next Seinfeld.
4: Right, and they weren't super funny or original, but they had a great look, you right. know, mm. like that kind of sitcom look.
0: I've never been, it's so funny with these comedy club, like the Laugh Factory. Yeah. I've never been to any of these places. I went to the comedy store once. Right. But anyway, so they, very quickly, it started on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. Boom, it took off. Sarah Silverman, mm-hmm. Paul of Tompkins, Greg Proops, mm-hmm. you know, all the, these people that are part of the, the Conan family too, right. were just in there ready to go, ready to do anything. And then from that, Within about six months, I was like to Patton Oswald and Sarah Silverman. You should you should do your own night here. Uh-huh. I
3: mean, yeah, and have
0: a couple of your friends so yeah, they could stretch a bit more. And so that and then so right. really around I would say ninety eight ninety nine, a lot of shows started to do monthly shows. You know, right. and it wasn't just strictly stand up. It was like,
3: like a residency, yeah. So,
0: yeah. And, and I would make it more of a kind of a I hit the word but like a variety thing. So there'd be music, comedy, a couple of sketches. Right. Mm. Now
4: I, I remember I first moved to LA. I we went to see. Paul of Tompkins show every month. Yeah, and it was fantastic. Did you ever see like we had
0: the Naked Trucker and T Bone show? It was out, oh yes, And Tenacious D. So there was a lot of stuff like that, like yeah. way way back, yeah. you
3: know. And you had the piano there. I mean, did people sometimes just decide to sit and pl- like? I-, I had read somewhere that Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. That's right. That that was sort of spontaneous that he started playing. That's right, and the and, and there. You know,
0: there's other people that won't ask for a piano. So like, for example, Tig, who performs all the time at Largo. Tig Notaro. And she um, started writing bits because the Largo piano was there, you know, and, she ah. would, and she's not a pianist. Yeah. And she would yeah. sit down and have this <laughs> whole thing about like, like, guys get ready, you know? And, <laughs> and um, so, but also, yeah, so it was for Zach, that was the thing. And then he kind of stopped doing that because he'd go to venues that just didn't have pianos and he was too nice to ask, oh. could you get me a piano? <laughs> and then there's Bo Burnham who started like, oh. you know, 12, 13 years ago. And he had a yeah. very wow. specific keyboard and I used to see him pulling up the back and trying to get this thing out of his fucking car. And I was like, how much are these things? And he was like, they're not that expensive. So I bought him a keyboard. So anytime he comes in, the keyboard's there and he doesn't have to drag oh, wow. this thing because oh, wow. he doesn't play a regular piano. That's you know? great. Yeah.
3: So you just have a room full of keyboards. Everyone's special right. keyboards. Little
0: things left over, like I mean, you know, there's there's even stuff from the Conan stint there that is still backstage, you know, because it's just character building, I think, you know.
3: Yeah.
4: A lot of print paper.
0: Yes, a lot of um, uh, Conan's uh, headshots mostly. Yeah. Sorry,
4: <laughs> that sounds right. Um, no, I, I remember the first time I saw Zach. In New York, and he was just doing the piano, and I—it was just so simple, but so great. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, that's such a. So I love, I loved hearing that it, it just kind of happened organically. Yeah. At Largo, which I never knew. That's we're so lucky to you know I think about it all story. the
0: time. We're so lucky to have people like him and Tig and yeah and Jack Black yeah. and people that are just like. Maya Rudolph, that you just look at them and they make you feel better, you know?
4: But you know what? You created this, you know, environment where everyone just, especially comics, I think, are just like instantly like oh, there's a great place to hang out and, you know.
0: It is, but it also can play against, it plays against you a little bit sometimes where it feels like it's a clicky thing. And I never wanted it to be a clicky thing. I Mm. wanted it to be a family. In fact, I had a name for the place that I didn't want to call it Largo. I wanted to call it the residency, Uh which which is a place in Belfast, (laughs) which was a a famous bar that would have different things. And I just love the idea of like the residency had a feeling of like cheers, like environment, like you'd go back and and there would be something that you liked coming up again, you know. Right, right. but it, it was so much money to change the name for license-wise and stuff. You know,
4: so. Yeah,
3: Largo and you became a really important part of the evolution of Conan's show because during COVID, initially, we left um, our studio at Warner Brothers. Right. We thought we were leaving for a couple of weeks. That's That's what we were told. And then we never went back there.
4: <laughs> right.
3: We were just shut down indefinitely. And Conan... Was doing shows at home. He, I think, at first was just filming himself on his iPhone.
4: Yeah, right. With probably the the kids helping him, maybe. Yeah, there's a family member. And then, and then it's like, yeah, the laptop would just bang out a few segments over Zoom at home. And and really
0: quickly, I started getting calls from. J.P. Buck. Um, hey, would you talk to Ross about possibly getting Conan out of the house? <laughs>
4: oh, wow. You know? you, did you already know J.P.? I knew J.P. Yes, I knew J.P. But also, like, I mean, show.
0: catching up with everything. Andy Richter has been a Largo person for 100 years. Oh, of course. So, oh, yeah. You know, so, and, and he and I are friends. So it's That's like, right. But also, which is very important, and I thought about this before we spoke, like, I have never, I've been my own guy for, you know, 30 years in terms of Largo. And I've never affiliated, I've had opportunity where people are like, hey, what if we come in and did something with you? And I've always said no. Mm -hmm. When this came up, it was like, we had been closed for six weeks. And at that point, it dawned on me that this could be a year. Nobody else was thinking it was going to be a year, but I was like, "Mm, this could be a long. Oh, you knew. Well, I felt, you know, I just felt like, you know, I don't know. Nobody knows, about. at that point, we didn't know about viruses and all that information. But anyway, enough to know that it was like turning on the TV and seeing Conan I watched every episode where he was at home, right. you know, and I, and I knew that there was probably three of you there with him, like giving him dropping off skit because it was so frightening at that time.
3: Right. Yeah. So
0: when JP asked me, hey, would you talk to Ross? Because I think they want to try and figure out some sort of a low key thing at Largo. And I was like, well, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have any staff and I, it's kind of dangerous. I mean, right now it seems, right. you know, and so that, that was the initial thing. And I feel that was like probably... The lockdown was, we shut earlier than the lockdown, so March. And so I started getting the call late April around that time, uh-huh. talking to Jeff Ross. Okay. How could we do this safely? And and then we did a walkthrough. So probably I feel like that was May. And Conan and Jason and Jeff came and we were like looking at it. Mm-hmm. And there was technical things, obviously, you know, because of right. internet connections and then the noise in the neighborhood, because we've never done anything during the day. It's a night place, you know. Uh, right. So that was a huge factor. And, um, but even it was so strange because it, even though it's only been a few couple of months, but just seeing people outside your family was even a shock. Yeah. We were right. all double masked and it was like very careful and like 20 feet apart from each other. And, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Hosing things down in between. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so it was very quick that when we did the walkthrough, they were like, yeah, we can do this. And I figured out like I could have a couple staff members just for security and also just to show where the lights go on and off. Uh-huh. But Jeff and I talked about if we're going to do this, it'll probably be a year because we have to cut, co- you know, there's so right. many legal things with like the studio. Oh. with insurance which was huge you know right we put in a plan and and, uh, we started so in July I think maybe late July I think is when we started
3: and then so that was when Conan came in and started doing daily shows at Largo, which was, I mean, you could see such a difference just in his mood, too. Yeah,
0: well, it's like, you know, it's like... been records, like a
3: caged animal. Yeah,
0: I've listened to some of your guests. And I think Reggie said it best. He's a people person. Like, he just responds to... Yes. Even, Mike, yeah. when you would come in, his whole mood would be, you know... It would go down. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it would it'd be like, it would be like, okay, we've got something cooking in here. And it, you see right. his blood start and his mind start to think. Yeah. And he's always been the best guy to me. Like, he's always... I've never had, you know experiences that um, people have with somebody of his stature. It's just always been fun, making fun of each other. And then right. but I see different dynamics when, you know, when it's slow and he's sitting there and it's like, the Zoom thing's not working, and you've got you know, mm-hmm. or or we'd have to pause because yeah. ambulances were literally because Cedars Sinai is across the street near right. A, That's right.
3: right, giant hospital. Yeah,
0: COVID p- patients were driving past, flying past, and our ambulances every day. You know. Oh man. Oh boy. I mean, first of all, there was the cachet of like it's Conan, yeah, and you guys are my taste, so it was like that was a perfect thing, right. But then I was thinking for the safety of my staff and my family and this, this fucking virus and shit, I was like, right, right. and then Jason was just, again, go back to Jason. He was the guy that I was just like.
4: Yes. Jason's Jason Shalemi,
0: our producer. From day one, I was. He puts you right at ease. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also there's that attitude that was like, we'll try anything unless we can't. Yes. And and I kind of love that. Whatever you need. Yeah. <laughs> and so he'd come to me, he would constantly come to me on a daily basis or the night before yeah. and go, hey, are you up for this? I'm like, fuck it. At this point, yes.
3: Right, right
0: honestly after a couple months I thought that we possibly may not open again because yeah well a couple things of like yeah I thought it would be over in a year but also that year you're closed your rent alone is $35,000 a month and I knew the government wasn't going to give me that money you know right And so
3: $1,200 yeah
0: you know Huh. Um, which is what Jeff Ross wanted to pay a monthly for cone uh-huh. being at Largo. I think it was $12 and 25 cents. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got him up to That's 15. Awesome. But it was great. So, so the great thing is that we were able to, with Sarah and everybody else, work out a deal where uh-huh. this amount of money would cover the staff, a little bit of rent, the insurance, right. you know, stuff like that. So, right. And then we were off and running, but then I, but then it dawned on me that, you know, especially when it looked like you guys weren't going, when when TBS was going to possibly end. Right. And then it was, it was announced. I had a feeling like, eh, This is my ending,
4: too, you know, in terms of that location. Oh, wow. Yeah. I really, yeah.
3: Really scary. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's true. Because back then, you, it was also open ended yeah. it was it was hard to see light at the end of the and time a lot
0: of our point. friends like Nick Kroll and John Mullaney a lot of mm-hmm. the people that perform at Largo mm-hmm. had just had kids Right. and i was like there's no oh. there's no fucking way they're going to risk their you know yeah all those pandemic right. babies yeah
4: how dare they reproduce
0: and the moment that we got the all clear after Conan left it was a while before yeah. i even booked people because people were like really Yeah. And i was like i want to i don't want to push you into it but you know
3: well but it probably helped so the last 2 weeks of conan on tbs were in person yeah. with Crowds. And that was so wonderful to be there in that audience because it everyone was just so hungry for live comedy right. at that point because we hadn't done anything in a year yeah
0: and you guys hadn't even really seen each other you know the, mm-hmm. i remember that like
3: yeah i mean the staff too yeah the
0: staff it was almost like every night was a beautiful kind of get together you know yeah yeah it felt
3: a little bit like the comic-con shows where we're going you know like a road show and, and everyone's there and everyone's hanging out in the courtyard right. afterwards and right so that must have at least given you a little glimmer of like okay there's the audience is there that people want to come back and and see live comedy There was, again. But,
0: the, but if you remember like these were the first shows that conan's show was the first show to go to a theater it was the first show to have a live audience, you know. Yeah. Right. And also, it was we were all sitting there going, "Can we do it without masks?" Because I mean, he doesn't want to fucking look out to the audience's Nazi faces. I mean, yeah. So there were some hurdles that we overcame towards the end of it, but the numbers were still kind of going up and down. Right. While we were doing it, and we had to reduce the capacity, and you know, each day let a certain more, few more people in than we did the night before, and
4: but it was day to day as was. to whether the audience had to wear masks yeah. and all yeah all that stuff. I remember was. And even there was the,
0: the risk of like, what if one
4: of, and by the way, this is the real thing that I think
0: about is from day one when Conan came, mm-hmm. there was five of them and three of us, which became eight of us. But like, I was like, right. if one person goes down, we have to shut for 10 days with COVID. That's
3: right. right. And that never
0: ended until, uh, you know, honestly, after everybody was loading stuff out, I was like, I can't believe I went through the whole thing that none of us got COVID. No one got that it. That is 30. shocking. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable.
3: Because I worked on productions where like everyone oh, got
0: it. But by <laughs> yeah. the way, at the same time, it was like some of the guests that were supposed to come on had COVID and could you know yeah so right and now we're back at it again where it's more people than even then are testing positive around us you know right we're still free the family and and the Largo family still haven't had COVID but wow oh, certainly amazing. everybody around us seems to have had it you well know? it's coming it for seems you yes it is yes, yes <laughs> it is but the Conan thing like even you know some of the stuff that fans would like to hear is like it was very intimate but like it was a beautiful time because you're with friends, and we're all uh, there was a common purpose, but you left the house each day, even if it was only for a few hours. Mm. And we had a lot of fun considering what we were going through, you know. Yes, and I would sit with Sona behind the red curtain, which is Conan would come out and her, you know, mess with her every time before she went, I and mean, right. we would just laugh. And, <laughs> and then, uh-huh. set, you know, Sona and I would start laughing and spoil a take every, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and, and stuff like that. But it was very, there was, he created a vibe, you know, that it was, a, it was very nice, you know. Yeah, and I, ironically, too, that I think we. We may have talked about this, but like three weeks before the lockdown, we did a show and it was the Judd Apatow show and J- Conan was the guest on it, was one of the guests on it. It was Sand- Adam Sandler, Conan, Bo Burnham, and I think Weird Al. It was like an Eric Idol. It was a crazy show. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Conan came over after doing your show and just ran on stage. He had the most fun. Like he was just a, you know. I remember he was talking about the next day. He was so excited. The craziest thing is he walked on and he was like, What's up, fuckers? Like he did shit that he's never done right. before. Right, and right, and right, Judd right. kind of right. Judd was still on stage. And a guy, uh, guy in the front row stood up and goes, I can't believe it. I just went to see your uh, show. And he meant the uh, taping. He was out of taping. Right. And Conan Uh, was like, you want to fucking fight me? And like, it it was bananas. (laughs) But he had so much fun. And when he walked off stage, he goes... He was
3: on a lot of cocaine.
0: Right. But he walked off stage and we've had this conversation many times over the years because he's done a TIG show. He's done other many, many things. And I was like, I right. think you need to do more of this, you know, and yeah. but also yeah. as, a, as a club owner who books things, I don't want to be the schmarmy guy, but it's just so much fun. Yeah. And then I think that was in his head when he was sitting at home with a fucking computer going, well, that was a fun place, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Apple Card
0: is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of
4: places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. T-Mobile. He just loves Largo and he loves... Yeah. It's such a great place to hear music and comedy. It's... There's just such great energy in there. Yeah.
3: Friendly. Yeah. I mean, obviously that is coming down from you, Flanny, I'm sure. It's fun to hear you say that you didn't want it to feel too clicky because... Yeah, I think there are other comedy clubs where that was the case, right. and and that it never felt that way. At Largo. But you know what?
0: The funny thing too is that it, it, it's not clicky, but it's certainly family. I've, I've, there's so many people that contact yeah. me and friends of mine that met mm. each other at Largo and got married. You know, oh people. My God. Oh wow! Yeah, like Jonah Ray told me the other night that he came to see They Might Be Giants on his first date with his now wife at Largo. Oh, wow. And Patton Oswalt met his wife at Largo. Like, there's a lot of people that were just like, oh, hey, you.
3: Wow. You should have a matchmaking service. I think I
0: have. I get invited to all these weddings. Even customers, you know, they're they're just like, hey, we met with you. And I'm like, "Mm."
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm booked already, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's cultivated. And then also getting back to what Mike was saying, there was a thing from New Yorkers coming in that was like, this is our place to hang. This is, Mm -hmm. there was a bar at the old place that it's a good bar yeah and and it poured a good pint of Guinness and but also it was just not pretentious you could just hang out and 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 uh and it became a home for a lot of comedians and musicians that we know, right? And and that became a and still is a really like Patton Oswald with Amy Mann, like they're they best friends. Paul of Tompkins is friends right. with all these musicians, and right. and I think a lot of that the seeds grew at Largo, you know. Well,
3: and there is such a crossover with comedians and or musicians. I right. feel like they always want to do the other thing. Right. Each one wants the other
4: job. Right. Yeah. No, there is a long tradition of comics. Playing harmonica. But, but
0: having said that, there is some like, you know, sitting backstage with people we have, you know, mm-hmm. and you'll hear like Dimitri Martin is a really good musician. You know, and it comes across in his act. He like he's an amazing guitar player, but he has it uh. in his act. And same thing with Nick Thune, who has it in his act. But a lot of these guys, uh-huh. yeah. You know, um, there's a comedian called Mae Martin who's from in- from Canada, but she's been coming around it, uh-huh. and she's a good piano player. And so she sits uh-huh. before the show. You'll hear her playing the piano and stuff. You know.
4: You know, another thing I think made the shows with Conan special at Largo was just having Andy as the sole audience member mm. yes, in the audience. And that was a great energy to play off of, I think, you know, for Conan. It evolved so
0: beautifully because it was just him by himself yeah. in this empty theater. Mm-hmm. And then there was the cardboard cutouts that showed up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and then there was, Those were
0: great. You know, the fans sent in their, they became things. Right,
4: which is a great idea. And then there was a day that
0: uh, Andy took a kind of a hacksaw to uh, James Comey, who was one of the cutouts and right. cut his stomach <laughs> right. out and stuff. The life-size yeah. one, yeah. Right. Those, were just, those were just so much fun. Like, I mean, you know.
2: What
3: happened to all those?
0: Yes, do you know?
3: Were you stuck with them at the end?
0: No, 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 no. Well, I wanted to keep Ruth Ruth. Ruth Bader was one of them, so we. Ca- yeah. we sure. I think we have that. Good. But... I mean, I think that a whole bunch of us need to do an episode where we go to the storage facility. Oh, did they stor- I know. Are those in storage? Oh, straight to storage! Wow. Yeah, John showed up. Like all the guys showed up, and they were like, "This is going there. This is going here."
3: We do need to go explore the storage yeah. facility because Jeff was just talking about how much they pay for yeah. it every. I, they probably have things there they don't even know they're paying Conan's to store for <laughs>
0: tourists. But also, like the amount of stuff, even the the year that we're there, the amount of stuff that is sent to Conan from fans. Yeah. From right. But also, when we did the live shows, like suddenly the big bubble Head showed up. I'm like, Where the fuck did this come from? And right, it took, it took up the storage, whole court. yeah. So, yeah, I think they're all still there. I think it'd be funny to see the two of you go in there and be like, Oh no,
4: yeah. I know. It'd be funny With for the first suit. 30 seconds and then we'd be like, "Oh, um, it's 200 degrees in here. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. What have we done? That's true. Well, we pitched <laughs> ideas. It's like, oh, we got to have a big send-off for the cardboard audience members. Remember yeah, that, Jesse? funeral. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, you know, of course, the show was... <laughs> then all, we did nothing. Right. And in the it was the last two week of shows and there are all these big guests and... That whole idea just went on the back shelf. Getting back
0: to Andy, I'm sure there was a lot of stuff that, yeah. like when we did the first initial thing, like Conan was standing on stage and Ross and, and Jason and I are in the audience. And he's like, right. how about Jimmy favino on a, on a stool just playing acoustic guitar? And they're like, nope. And what, what about Andy? Nope. I mean, it was that strict in terms oh, of what they wow. would let oh, us do. Oh, the first,
4: right.
3: And that was who was deciding that? The insurance people?
0: Yeah, I think it could have been, but it was definitely coming from a top. And, oh, and, and it wasn't a budgetary thing. But what I was going to say, Mike, was like when Andy finally came in. Right. It did change the other thing. But I was thinking about you and about like coming up with ideas that you just can't fucking do because the constrictions were so strict at that time, you know. And then in the last two weeks, you finally go, Oh, here's Jack Black. Let's fucking play with him, you know? And it was, right. yeah. you know, Let's mostly it was just Zoom have stuff. Have him break
3: his leg. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Well, before we get to the, the last two weeks, Yeah. do you, re- I, and maybe this wasn't, didn't seem like a big deal when it happened, but do you remember the first guest? Because every show, Conan's guests would be over Zoom, mm-hmm. right? Even though he was in the Largo, from the Largo Theater. Do you remember? The first time a guest he did an in person interview. Yes, um, on that and stage. John C.
0: Riley really wanted to be the first, and like <laughs> was calling multiple people saying, "I think I'm going to be the first." Uh, there was a couple times where it was like. You know, in terms of your schedule, you know, you do your three weeks and then you've got a week off and then you're back for two weeks. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Yeah.
0: We had a schedule that Jason would give us, you know, for the next two months so that we could figure out what we're doing. Right. And a lot of the times we would go an extra week just because the numbers were starting to climb. We're like, we better
4: try and get a few more in here, you know. To bank a few more shows. Wow. Yeah.
3: Yeah, squeeze them in.
4: It did seem kind of like a stars aligning for the, the last two weeks of that show where all of a sudden L.A. was talking about Letting people go back and and be audiences, that was one. And then for the last two weeks, all these great guests started filling in to appear on the show. And and so you had those last two weeks, the great combo of, yay, a live audience again, plus... These incredible guests coming on. It seemed it was it really got this kind of head of steam. But
0: uh, do you remember like do you remember you and I and that we had a team meeting at the in the courtyard and we were thinking like okay what what are the the live shows going to be and Conan was just like it's going to be normal it's going to be going to the full band and Ross was like mm, 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 you know I'm going to yeah. go into the audience nope you're not that's you know. relationship right. Yes, yeah, so, right, but right, it right. was and we were all kind of like Richter was there we were all there going. Hopefully that'll be it. And then it transpired that I think we've got away with most of the stuff that you wanted to do. Yeah. But there was also. Along with the joy, as, as life in general, like along with the joy of getting people back, it was also the end of the show to a, t- to a degree. Right. Right. And so yeah. the, to me, that was a bummer because, I mean, I'd been to the TBS show. I'd been to see uh, Zach. I went with Zach to see your show. And I, mm. I went uh, when David, uh-huh. David Bowie was a guest. I was like, fuck, I'm going, you know. Uh-huh. And so I had seen the big machine working and then I saw the small machine and then the small machine building back up to all of everybody being there again, you know? Right. And, but there was a certain thing of like, I remember, you know, the last night with you guys all sitting in the back row and I couldn't look back cause it was just, we're all in tears. Yeah. It was
4: just, you know? <laughs> yeah. no, It was really emotional, was. especially
3: Conan doing his yes. thank yous. And
4: yeah. Well, Matt O'Brien, the head writer was basically running all yeah. that comedy, the, at Largo, in, including the last two weeks. And um, of course, you, you mentioned the Jack Black show. There, there was a big sketch planned with him. And that, that was that was a crazy afternoon.
0: We knew that you guys, even before, we knew that there'd be something very special because he loves Conan and he right. loves your show. And, right. And yeah. um, so he had texted me because there was a thing too that, you know, we couldn't even have friends backstage or family or anything. And, and anytime Jack's right. ever done something like he, he would even, you know, I think there was a consideration. Could his boys come to it and stuff. And we were like, uh-huh. it was very strict and whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I got a call from him and he's like, Hey, can't wait to do this. And then he did an Instagram post saying that he was going to do it. And it was very funny.
4: Right. And so everything really seemed to be funny. good.
0: And then I, I was there and Andy and I were talking to him and he was running through things with Jimmy and the band. Yeah. Everything was great. And then we mm-hmm. moved outside because there was an an ambulance waiting in, on La
4: Sienega for him for the sketch he was doing a bit
3: a joke ambulance right. Yeah. a joke ambulance.
4: was on stage totally and he was gonna rip his clothes off right but the thing about the joke the
0: joke ambulance is that like for a year there were ambulances on la cienega just because they could there was too many right. ambulances at cedars hospital so it was kind of like right people walking by right like, oh, there it is again there it is so he um he he had the sketch that they were doing and it was hysterical he was uh, the idea was that he would do anything for conan and then he falls and he hurts himself but the show must go on right and they're like no you got to i think the sketch was pretty much they come with a stretcher these two guys and paramedics and they take him to the to the ambulance and then he busts out of the ambulance no the show must go on yeah so they ran this and i sat there watching it you know with jeff ross and uh, others and i was just right. watching it and every time he's 120 percent, like he's just going at it yeah and then i was around the wall so i didn't see it happen i just went. I heard everyone going, oh no, oh no, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was oh. like, first off, I thought maybe Conan fell because he was standing by the right. entrance or something. And uh, uh-huh. Jack's on the ground and he's taking off his one of his white shiny boots. And I was like, oh. oh. And he had twisted, uh. he had done something similar on the Godzilla movie years before.
4: Pre-existing condition.
0: Other foot. <laughs> uh, he, uh, so anyway, so this became a big thing. We got ice for him. We went down to the... You know, and he was a trooper, but you could see he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. Like a lot of pain. Oh. And so we got him out of there and um his friend was there and he drove him home. And I was, you know, it was we, we weren't really sure if he would be able to show up for the show, but he kept telling us, I'll right. be fine.
4: The next day. I'll be
0: fine. And so the next day he showed up with the crutch oh. and he was told. Yeah. Really, you shouldn't do this. And really? again, he comes out and he just like, yeah, he still yeah. did it. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. And he killed it. He. Yep. And yeah. And people
0: in the room, by the way, the audience had no idea that went on, and we didn't. I don't think we showed on right. screens that we had. No. Nobody knew, and they're just like, oh, it's no one. Knew. And so everyone thought it was a bit that here he is walking with a boot on his thing, right. and he's going to do something funny. Yes. And then Conan explains it, and people are like, oh,
4: this is real.
3: Yeah. You know.
4: Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> it did seem like you're absolutely right. The beginning of some elaborate bit
3: yeah where he throws away the crutches and right which he kind of did do but
4: yeah Yeah. i mean i've worked with jack for
0: you know over 20 years and he's always had that energy of like i'll give it all
3: let's do it yeah Yeah. and he
0: was so great that day it was such a bummer because it was at the end of everything in terms of it was the last it was the last take and he was like let me do one more captain and then it's like oh fuck the dodgy sidewalk he falls over you know
3: uh
0: Oh. I know it.
3: And they had already gotten it. They, right. It was already in the can. They'd
0: gotten that, and I've never gotten over his Speedo, his red Speedo. Ah. And his white <laughs> boots. He had
4: white boots on. I was like running
0: in and out of Largo. I was like, oh.
4: Well, that was a real injury to your, <laughs> to the your poor orbs. <laughs> right. But
0: yeah, I, it's, um. so there was that, it was that double feeling of like joy that we're seeing people in seats again. Right. But then also- yes. I was not sure if I wanted to even continue. And this is not some sort of like flippant thing. I, I'm still going through this thing of mm. do I need a bigger place that we can spread out more seats? You know, because I mm. believe this pandemic will be with us for a few years. Yeah. Or do I just do largo? I called it so the 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 initial Largo on Fairfax was just called Largo. Mm. And when I moved, I called it Largo at the coronet. Right. And the specific reason was was like, well, maybe I'll do that for a few years and then you know, take Largo somewhere else. You know, uh. and so that's that's a horizon thing right now that I'm looking at. Going maybe it's summer season at John Anson Ford, and then do a monthly at the Pantages, or you know, jump up at different places. Yeah, with our cast of plans and stuff. You that's know, it's a
3: cool idea. Yeah, because Largo is not a place; it's a state of mind. It has become that. Yeah, I was wondering. I bet the because Tignataro did her famous set where she had just found out she had breast cancer. That, w- that happened at Largo. Yeah. And then that was on This American Life. Was that right?
0: Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that I was, so, so yeah. Tig had been doing a regular show at Largo and she got sick with this um, condition called C. diff, which is a, you know, bacterial poisoning kind of thing. of the- mm-hmm. So she was really ill and Sarah Silverman and I and her friends went like, she was at Cedars Hospital. So we'd go and visit her. And then she gradually started getting stronger and better. And she said, I want to do a show. I need a show to kind of get, you know, get back. And she goes, would you help me book it? So her health wasn't great but it was two weeks away and we were like okay so Sarah Silverman wasn't available but Ed Helms and Bill Burr were available Marilyn Lynn Rice Cup was available but I was reaching out to Conan but Conan was back east so he was replaced by Louis CK mm. and uh but that was the show and then none of them knew uh so three days before the show Tig called me and said you're not going to believe this I just got off the phone with my doctor and uh I have cancer you know yeah and I was like what well, what are you what are you talking about and she goes I've got like stage four cancer, but I want to do this show. Oh my God. So she started treatment the next day. But anyway, she told me that, and I said, listen, you should, you should just, if you don't feel well on the day, we cancel. We'll just say you're sick. Right. But she was adamant. And then she and I had this understanding that she was going to talk about it on stage, but not talk about it to any of the performers. And so she walked out on stage. Hey, how's everyone doing? I have cancer. How are you doing? I have cancer. Right. And it became a very big deal you know but yes the, side yeah. of the stage like bill burr ed helms wow maryland right we we're all crying like we we're just like this is funny but jesus yeah this is this is yeah. real
3: this is more than comedy yeah
0: yeah
4: that is intense
0: but it, but it was a big night you know and, and then obviously she's done she shot a documentary about it at largo and stuff so it's been this right. thing mm-hmm. that people ask me about all the time but you know that was a big one actually that was a big one
3: yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's interesting because the theater really has been a central part of, of all these stories, these LA comedy stories. Yeah. We keep coming back to it.
0: It's funny. You know what I love about your podcast is not you guys at all. No, no but, but yeah, thats right. <laughs> that you're bringing in people who are that going to tell <laughs> We feel the no, same way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You're bringing
1: in, We're all you're in bringing in
0: people who are more than a fly in the wall. They're in the trenches with trying to figure out like, oh, how do you make this happen? Or how do you mm. geographically move from, the whole thing from New York to LA. And then you talk to tech people, but I think most of us want to know, like, uh, you know, the sketches that like you're talking about how with Jason, like, you know, he shot stuff in his back garden of his house with Conan and you were on a bridge, the run, run across America thing. Like some, I, I, that's what I want to hear about, you know, like people who were there who didn't (laughs) hear from somebody else. Like, you know, I was there, you know,
4: you know what else was great about that last night? Um, the like the writers hadn't seen each other in person in a long time mm-hmm. and uh, just a lot of the production staff and after that show people met in your, in the courtyard yeah. at Largo and it became basically the de facto rap party. yeah and there were people that have worked with you for so long that that came and we were, yeah. we got
0: rid of everybody else and there was 120 family members, like, you know, yeah. Liza was there, but there was also people who worked on the show that had nothing to do with the Largo stint. Right. Were able to finally come and
4: just, you know. Yes. We had a writer who was hired during COVID, a scholar Higby. We hadn't We had met. not met him. He lived in Chicago and we only knew him from Zoom writers meetings. Right. Like we were all so delighted, you know, to finally meet him and, and hang out together. I met him too. Course. And he was, uh, yeah, we were sitting in the back row, uh, when
0: the show started and he was like, I can't believe I'm at Largo. And I was like, part (laughs) of it made made me feel like so old. And then the other part was like, I wonder what he thought it was going to be like. Because I remember when I moved to Los Angeles, I went to the Troubadour because I was a music fan, and I was like, "Right." I knew that I had this bootleg of Cat Stevens at the Troubadour and Richard Pryor. Troubadour is legendary. Oh yeah. And I walked in, and it was like a fucking toilet. It was horrible, uh, and I was like, "This can't be the Troubadour." <laughs> uh, where's the real? It got one? better over over the years, but this like in yeah. the early '90s, it was like heavy metal bands yeah. and people playing there, and they'd run it down. You know,
3: no more Elton John.
0: No more Elk. No Cat Stevens. <laughs> no more Elton. No, no, I have to tell you, really funny thing that happened was when we did the walkthrough and we were all a bit like, you know, again, 20 feet apart from each other.
4: This is when you first were considering letting. Yeah. So Jason Conan. Yeah.
0: And so somebody came and did a, went into the sound booth and was trying to figure out internet 5G at the time, you know, we, we needed that. Right. And uh, my manager, Michael, who a few years before that had been in a motorcycle accident, somebody rear-ended him and he had lost his spleen. So he oh. has no immune system. Oh. So he, I was like, I, oh my God. I don't want to put you under pressure. Oh. And he goes, no, I'll just be in a different room. But he was very susceptible to the COVID-19. Yikes. So anyway, he's standing in the back of the room and Conan's on stage being Conan, running around like a six-year-old, having the best time. Right. And Ross is there like, yeah, you know, <laughs> looking at the thing. And Jason's like, whatever we need, Captain, put me in. Yep. And as I'm talking to Ross and Conan's running back and forth the stage, <laughs> a part of the ceiling collapsed oh. at the back of the room what? because it had been raining. It had been raining for six weeks and we hadn't been in there. <gasps> and so it, it had oh, gathered wow. and that particular time, it just decided that the plaster just fell on the ground oh. and just the sound. Yeah. Waves and started. I saw it happening and it was like a big, it was almost like two crows coming down from the sky just went sh- <laughs> and, um, and, Ross Nothing.
3: Were you trying to cover it up? Like no, it d- nothing to see here. I, I was here. waiting for
0: I was waiting for somebody to say <laughs> right. what the fuck was that. Nobody said anything, and they no. were like, and then Russ and these. Right. I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be great. And I was like, oh, all right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were just so desperate to get out of Conan's Yeah, bar. But
0: but but so by the way, it, when I left that day, I remember in 1998, no, no 1997, uh. Elliot Smith, who you know I had met, he he thought that Largo was too fancy for him to play. Right, because he liked dive bars. Oh, and so the, f- right. the first night that I invited him down, I told the waitresses to take all the tablecloths off the tables, no no the candles, mm-hmm. and bring the lights up. And he walked in and he was like, "Oh, this is way too nice," and it was like the worst it's ever looked.
4: Oh. And I was like, "Well, oh.
0: fuck," you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John Bryant started playing his songs on the piano, and Elliot was like, "Oh shit, okay, this so I can work with this guy." Okay. You
4: oh, know? good. So, okay. Did they already know each other? Probably. Right?
0: They had met um very briefly. Yeah. Yeah, just very briefly. And John was at that point, like it was before Goodwill hunting. So Elliot wasn't like okay. a lot of people didn't know, but the good songwriters were like, Oh shit, here comes Michael Jordan. Right. You know, of the of that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Those
4: are two walkthroughs that were memorable for me. <laughs> That's pretty memorable.
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, I always heard about him hanging out in dive bars. Yeah, that was his thing. On Mm -hmm. Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn. Yeah, and even when he became famous, he would go
0: back to Brooklyn and that's
4: exactly what he would
0: do. Or or karaoke bars and just sit at the bar and,
3: you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a vibe. That's
0: what Conan does now. That's right.
3: (laughs) Well yeah, Flanny, this has been great. yeah is there anything that we didn't cover that you
0: I think Sona was the was the sugar and the the ingredient that kept the whole thing very much yeah. very much fun I mean,
3: yes, she was always there.
0: Well the great thing about it was too is like I mean i I knew of Sona and I would met her briefly, but mm-hmm. we went through Sona being there getting pregnant being pregnant with twins. Mm-hmm. So right. it, was fantastic. it was so exciting, you know? Yes. And then, and, and so that was that whole year. It was just, it went from, she's trying to get pregnant yeah. to holy fuck their right. twins. Uh, and then Conan, Conan right. and everyone making fun about what they're going to call them and stuff. So it's like, right. this, so, yeah. so basically, the, you know, it, it was so much fun, really the whole thing, you know, and I didn't, nobody kind of knew anything in terms of like what the prognosis of our future was going to be. So we just, lived every day as best we could you know
3: right and that is a nice that's a nice way to track a year is in somebody's gestational cycle
0: yeah human it's life positive. the creation yeah, yeah. <laughs> i wish she'd stop sending me photographs of them but i mean uh, but than- uh,
4: <laughs> we'll get the word to her
3: <laughs> yeah we'll take you off the mailing list yeah, yeah yeah
4: no she is always i forget how she is always just this giant burst of positive
3: yeah so dynamic. great
4: energy but also really funny just wonderful to have in in a room
0: well, it's funny you say that. So her and Jason are, I don't know, they're from the same fountain of of, of like just optimism and and just right. generally yeah.
4: positive. So you, would,
0: you, Good vibe. you think, are oh, these fuckers Scientologists? Because they're out of 10. <laughs> right, you know, right, right. They're out of 10. They come to you and they're just like, yay. Right. And, then, yeah, you've got, and yeah. then you've got Matt O'Brien yep. kind of sneaking without saying hi to anybody and Andy Richter going, can I leave? <laughs> oh, you're <right>. you know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the difference between people who identify as comedians. Yeah and normies yeah
0: <laughs> the other thing that happened too which is just it, it struck me last night was mm. while Conan was there um, I was dealing with this guy John Irwin, who's I think he had a production thing with Jeff Ross at one point and he's, you know, he's part of the, and he was contacting me constantly saying, Hey, Norm MacDonald really wants to shoot his special and he wants to do it as soon as, can he do it while Conan's there? And then Ross was like, I think we could make it happen. And I was like, but we can't bring people in, you know?
3: Yeah. Hmm. Wow.
0: And then, so when things subsided, I started texting him and he goes, I haven't heard anything. And anyway, they just put Norm's special that On on Netflix and yeah. And it's really beautiful. I mean, I, I kind of was a little bit, trepidatious what I, I i you know i was like i right. know him from from the healthy times and he performed at Largo so right. many times but it's a, an actual beautiful thing to watch and it's another thing mm-hmm. that was happening during the pandemic like conan's thing that was a positive thing right even though norm's not with us anymore but it he's vibrant his eyes are electric and his material's really good so yes. it's worth seeing
4: it you know i i watched it last night and i i yeah I, I did too yeah it was amazing and then conan's part of the group yes conan david letterman dave Chappelle, molly shannon Sandler and uh, Spade yeah. are there to kind of they watch it together right yeah. and talk it down
0: we've been doing this for collectively like you know quite a long time and you see these ebbs and flows and right. i don't take any of it for granted but like i really am appreciative of the year that we did with Conan, you know, cause it was, it went from seeing him every few months to saying to him, we should do something to suddenly we're seeing each other every single day. And nobody could have fucking guessed that that would happen, you know? Yeah. Right. But there were like, like growing up in Belfast, there's always bright spots and there's, it's what you make of things, you know? And I feel like going forward, I can see myself doing more stuff with Conan or with the team and, you know, uh-huh. um, that it was, mm-hmm. cause it's, it's such a fun bunch. Every, all of you, all of you, like, I mean, I, yeah. on the last night, which I'll leave it with, but on the last night, I felt like I wanted to be set it all up that there was appetizers and drinks and everyone could have a thing, but I kind of mm. retracted because I know that that's, that was your, that was your thing, you know? So it was kind of like we, we came in at the, you know, to blow out the candles kind of thing, but, it, but right. And right. it was beautiful to just sit there and watch people like, you know, just again, like I hadn't seen each other in at that point, a year and a half, maybe
3: uh, I'm tearing up thinking about it. It, yeah. it was a really special yeah. night. It
0: was. And I believe going forward, there'll be more special. It's like, I stuck my head in, mm-hmm when conan was doing the orpheum that or outside no, the wiltern the last show that he did the wiltern and i was a little f- i podcast. was a little freaked out about covid so a friend of mine works there so i just pulled up the front walked in mm-hmm. and watched 20 minutes from the back of the room and it was just like mm-hmm. him and jack black are the two people that should always have audiences i mean they're just right yeah they come alive and they make people feel better and it's
4: yeah
3: and it's mutual i think like they're getting something from oh, the audience feedback very too very much so yeah yeah
4: so hopefully we'll have many more. Well, yeah. Well, he loves you. He, and he does, love and you know. he loves Largo. Yeah,
3: I know. I know that that was a, that was a special time for him too. And yeah, like you said, it everyone was making the best out of bad circumstances. Yeah. But ultimately, it is kind of something that hopefully we'll look back on with some nostalgia. Yeah. Well,
0: I love your show, and I'm so happy <laughs> to have you know.
3: Oh my gosh, we love you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This has been really fun. All right. Thanks Great for the talking. The positive energy that you
4: brought. Yeah. You
3: were the Sona for You're us. You're Sona
4: and Jason Times 10. <laughs> Oh my God. That's beautiful.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Mark Flanagan, AKA Flanny.
4: Flanny. Thank you, Flanagan.
3: And you know what time it is? Oh,
4: it's time for a listener
2: question.
3: That's right. This one is a voicemail.
4: Oh, good. I love
2: oh, voicemails. Yeah, me too. Hi Mike and Jesse. I'm Calvin, and I'm a big, big fan of the podcast and also Conan TBS. So, a question that I have is about one of uh, my favorite remote uh, for the show and also I guess one of the more popular ones uh, on YouTube as well. And it's the remote about Student Driver with Diana Chang, Conan, Ice Cube, and also Kevin Hart. So I'm just wondering, you know, how did that skit come to be? Because I just thought it was such a interesting and weird combination uh, at the same time. And yeah, so I was just wondering, like, who thought of that idea to have, you know, a non-writer to be uh, on a skit. And, you know, like how much of it was planned, you know, going to the dispensary and smoking in the car. Yeah. So I'd just like to learn more about that remote. Uh, Thank you. And keep going. Uh, Love the podcast. Bye. Oh,
4: okay. That was so nice. Thank you, Calvin. It was nice. And you know what? I've never met someone who said they were a fan of TBS. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. The network? The network. I also love that he gave in that. Remote, he gave Diana Chang top billing above Kevin Hart and Ice An Cube. And Ice
3: Cube, yeah, which I would do as well. And
4: Conan, yeah. <laughs> above everyone.
3: Well, he he had a lot of questions about yeah. the remote. And I mean, we've talked a little bit about that remote specifically, but we thought, who better to answer right. his question than the top billed person in that remote, Diana Chang.
4: The star. Hello, Diana. Hello. Hi. Hey, Mike. hey,
3: Jesse. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks for helping us tackle a listener question. My pleasure. Okay.
3: Yeah. So what from your perspective, how did that start? When were you contacted to be in that remote, potentially?
1: Um, the night before. <laughs> 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 he called me <laughs> at 6 p.m. on a Friday Oh, boy. I remember it being, like, the Friday before we all left for the holidays. Yes. Um, Because we just had the holiday party, like, two days before that. Oh, wow. So
3: you were, like, on a plane out of L.A., basically. Uh -uh. Well,
1: Sweeney was worried about that. Like, he was, (laughs) like, you called me at 6 p.m. on a Friday, and you're like, uh, hey, would you happen to be... Available tomorrow morning. That sounds like me. And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> it's my impression of you."
4: Yeah, I like
1: that.
4: <laughs> mealy-mouthed. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, yeah, uh,
1: hey. And like when I said yes, you were like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs>
4: uh, yes, because well, that remote was set in stone for the next day because. It was to help promote Ride Along 2, the sequel to Ride Along. And so we were, Then there was a Ride Along remote we did with Kevin Hart and Ice Cube where they went with a Lyft driver. And this was two years later and it's like, oh, it's going to be the follow-up. So it was locked down in advance and it had to happen that day. And there was actually, um, our one of, I think our producer, Jason Shalemi, helped find somebody to be a student driver who had no connection with the show and that fell through around a half an hour before we called you and i remember the time i was like this person we were going to do it with seemed perfect and then i forget who suggested you but we asked you and you said yes and then I can't imagine it having been <laughs> anyone other than you. You yeah, were so
3: perfect. It was oh, fate. Oh, oh
4: <laughs> my God! It was fate.
1: Divine intervention. Yes. I remember you telling me it was a maybe up until I got to the studio like on Saturday morning. You were just like, "Don't worry. Like, it's it may or may not happen. Like, just come ready to do right. it, but it might not really happen." Right. So was that on purpose? Because that really actually helped me not be nervous.
4: Ooh. Oh. Um, yes, that's part of my <laughs> genius.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: Uh, I mean, the the key thing, of course, was to find out if you were available. And so when you said, yes, you could do it, I was just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's always a chance something can fall through. So I think I was just, no, there was, it was not intentional. So anyway, go, go ahead. Why, why don't you tell us more about what it was like from your perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I showed up on Saturday morning, just like mentally, like prepared to like, okay, I might have to do this, but mostly like, you know, I'll just sit and it's, yeah, I'll just be here as a backup. You know, I'm the understudy. Right. Um, Right. But as soon as like, I got backstage and you were there, Sweeney and like the rest of the crew was there, like you were like, Oh, it's you. Um, so right. go see makeup <laughs> suit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: And Matt O'Brien was there. Matt O'Brien yeah. and I went on that remote.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So
3: did that at that point, did you start feeling nervous? Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
4: Oh, wow. Yeah. You didn't seem nervous, but you know, it's good. You had a task to do. You had to right. drive. Right. Yes. Right. And you had yeah. to pay
1: attention when you were driving that really, really helped. And being with, obviously with Conan, like really helped because he's so,
4: yeah
1: he's so good at what he does, obviously. Right. <laughs> um, that like, once he sucks you into his conversation, it's just like being in a conversation with Conan and like, you don't think about like, Oh, I have to like be funny. I have to right. perform. I yeah. have to like have some like comebacks or whatever. It was just like, a normal day so then what
3: did you really just feel like all right i'm just gonna go with the flow and see what happens well, sweet here you and
1: matt o'brien told me like you did prepare me a little bit like once you were like oh it's you go <laughs> you also well first you said do you have a weed card
2: <laughs>
4: yeah
1: because <laughs> <laughs> you might go to a dispensary you might not who knows and then also you were like and also just like um be yourself like it's like you don't need to like do anything that you know that also helped me um not be nervous um and that was true because conan did like like lead the way and i just needed to like just be there for it
4: right and we do tell everyone that it does remote with him don't the the worst thing you can do is try to be funny do you know what i mean or try to be a jokester with him it's like just be yourself and it'll and that those are usually the best remotes and he gets to act like you know that the the ass is as he and I'm <laughs> quoting him now. that was Matt O'Brien's idea um, I think was the dispensary like oh we should stop at a dispensary and so and of course that was you know it, there a was highlight. some great elevation elevations in that. at first we start with you and we thought, oh let's get some stuff going just you and Conan. And it's a surprise when Kevin Hart and Ice Cube show up, of course. And it helps kind of kick it up to another level. And then, and then a lot of you know what, I, I, Diana, if you remember, I, I don't know what your perception was in the car with Conan, but we were following you in a van. But, but it was pretty random for the most part. You guys just driving around mm-hmm. where you went, where mm-hmm. you ended up. I think so. You just happened to drive through. I don't know if people know this. There's a pinata. <laughs> There's a piñata district in downtown LA <laughs> where they all, they sell. Which it's is pretty perfect. It's and and we drove by it and I was like, oh, let's get a you know, of course, get out and get a piñata. Which, well, of course, yeah. Ended up we ended up bringing it back once you're in the dispensary. So I mean, those things just evolve. Like you just evolved as it all unfolded.
3: Yeah. Was it stressful driving all those (laughs) celebrities? Because I, I mean, that would be the main thing. I would be Uh, like, oh my god, I can't let them. It's (laughs) it's already stressful enough when someone's just watching you park, but (laughs) (laughs) then have all these people, all these spectators while you're driving.
1: Oh yeah, and they're important people. I know. I really didn't want to kill three (laughs) famous people.
4: (laughs) Wow, what an amazing story that was. Yeah, (laughs) that would that might have haunted you a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't, like, I don't think I breathed that entire time. <laughs> wow. I don't know how like I got the words out because I knew I couldn't, like, feel myself inhale and exhale. <laughs> wow.
4: That's amazing because you just seem very calm, cool, and collected to me when I, mm-hmm. whenever I, I watch mean, it. I mean,
1: enough, yeah, enough to like, maybe all my energy was like going into like trying to figure out what was happening and yeah. like right. paying trying attention and yeah, not crash. <laughs> right. But I remember I was so nervous that like, by the end when we got to Popeye's and we ordered that meal and I was like, and right. I normally honestly love Popeye's. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's true.
3: Popeye's is great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, we got like, that huge spread of like delicious chicken and biscuits, yes. and like I I held on to one to eat in the car on the way back um, to the studio, and like I just like kept trying to take bites of it, and like I couldn't swallow because I was so nervous. Oh, <laughs> oh you were still nervous yeah. even though it was I over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh
4: wow! Wow.
1: <laughs> I get that.
3: Mm-hmm. That's just,
4: that's amazing.
3: Still jacked up. Mm-hmm.
4: You know, a great story from the Popeyes parking lot is I think when everyone left and those and uh, Ice Cube and Kevin took off, and we're all gonna go back to the studio. I think Jason Shalomi, the producer, or someone said, Oh, you know, there's all that pot under in the back seat, grab that. And then they're like, Where is it? And they're like, Oh, Ice Cube took
1: it. (laughs) I grabbed some of it too, though. I still have, I ended up framing. The joint oh that we God. smoked. Yeah. Oh, really? I did. That's,
4: that's such great. a great souvenir.
1: Uh-huh.
4: Oh, I love that.
3: Oh, I, I love that too. Well, I also love it's kind of like an emergency joint, like break uh-huh. glass if it's an emergency. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And you can access it. So uh-huh.
1: it's in this like... Uh-huh. Oh, cute.
4: <laughs> that's great.
3: That's so fun. Yeah, I mean, that's so special. If you get into trouble, you can always sell it. Right. Yeah. It's my insurance policy. Exactly. How was it meeting Ice Cube and Kevin Hart? Were you oh my God. a fan of
4: either of theirs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love them.
4: They were both so, mm-hmm. they were f- so funny in both of those remotes and and they're great with Conan. But, and uh, yeah, I just, I like, I just love both of them after mm-hmm. getting to, ha- to see them work like that. It was so much fun.
3: Do people ever recognize you from that remote? Oh
1: my gosh. The first week, After that remote, everywhere I went, really, yeah, people were yelling my name. Ah, everyone was texting me. Uh, Um, Oh no, (laughs) it was wild. It was really exciting.
3: What about your family? Where did you have to like prime them? Like, (laughs) okay, this thing's gonna come out, and (laughs) I
1: mentioned it to them. But you know, like before it came out, you never know how like big something's gonna be. Like. obviously we were there it was like it was like this is gonna be huge right but then like you never know so like I kind of told them it like the holidays went by before um the video was released like the first week of January so like I told them when I was seeing them for the holidays like like I did this cool thing I don't know if it's that cool
2: though
3: (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) don't worry
1: Uh about it and then like after it came out they were like they were telling them like their friends who don't Uh even know me were sending them like just this random video because it was hilarious not because oh, it was wow. me oh really yeah and oh, they were like that's and then it like turned oh, out it was a, you like really what happened viral. why didn't you tell us and I was like I did tell you
3: <laughs> oh that's so cool
4: mm-hmm. that's great
3: your official title is manager of outreach and marketing mm-hmm. is that correct that's right okay cool so what do you what does that mean that you do for team coco
1: um well I'm on the marketing team my role is mostly like running our newsletter and getting our merch to happen. Oh, yeah. Oh. You do and, yeah. merch stuff. That's pretty mm-hmm. fun.
4: There's a newsletter? <laughs>
1: yeah. no. Join no, the I didn't know. No, I didn't know it either. Teamcoco.com slash join. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Hey. Subscribe. subscribe.
4: Oh, wow. Okay. Great. Yeah. I guess we will.
1: You'll get to read my amazing copy. Uh, yeah. I'm
4: check it out.
1: <laughs> if it's as good as your driving, oh. I'm in. Ah,
4: nice. <laughs>
3: Thanks, Diana. Thank you. Well, thank you, Diana. Yeah. That was really fun catching up. Uh, and if anyone has listener questions, we only have room for a couple more. So this is your last chance to get your yeah. burning questions answered.
4: <laughs> I hope they're not literally burning. Yes. Yes. Please send them in. Well, we love getting voicemails. We just uh, had one, of course. Uh, here's the number 323 209 Five three zero three, or you can email us your question at insideconanpod at gmail dot com. And I can't think
3: of anything else to say. Mm. I'm, at, I mean, I'm really at a loss.
4: It's called doing the dismount.
3: Psychologists would say it's like we don't want this to actually end.
4: Ah, uh, yeah.
3: I'm stalling.
4: I know. We always stall. Well, you, we usually try to think of a good way into it. Then. I know.
3: I think that's what it is.
4: Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes you just have to say.
3: Sometimes you just have to say what's on your mind. hmm And that thing is we uh, 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 love uh, uh. you. <laughs> Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell.
4: Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne.
3: Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff. Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco.
4: Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton.
3: Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis.
4: Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials.
3: You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.
4: And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best.
0: It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco
1: production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw